Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us here on The Rescue, where you will hear Brother Dewey Dwyer preaching in the Word of God concerning the last days and events that are in our world today, leading to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most importantly, that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And now, here is your speaker, Brother Dewey Dwyer. Hello there, I'm Dewey Dwyer, and here, we're here again to tell you more about the Lord Jesus Christ and His soon coming and how our world is today, just exactly as Jesus said it would be in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot, as in Sodom and Gomorrah. In our world today, uh, there's many things that we need to understand that not everything you hear is truth, and most of what you hear is lies, deceit, and treachery pouring into your living room, in your daily life, into your ears as you talk among other people. What you hear, is it gossip or is it truth? Well, as far as the news media and what the newspaper and the news forecasters and all those people that give you the news every day, these people are feeding you lies and deceit and treachery because they are controlled of Satan and the reason for them feeding you this lies and deceit and all the different things is because they want you to go to hell. They're going to hell because they've already turned their lives over to Satan and they're willing to take the price of money for their soul. What have you heard lately? Here's something that I just saw in one of the uh, one of the newspapers, and whether it's truth or not, supposedly it is because this would not be anything that would cause you to believe that would cause you to go to hell. AIDS bandits exploit Italian law in Rome. Rome has made a law that people who have the HIV virus do not have to stay in jail, don't matter what crime they commit. They turn them loose. So the AIDS people, the ones who have the HIV virus, they say have turned to crime and they rob and steal and kill whatever they want to because they know they will not go to jail because of the Roman law that was made just a few months ago. Well, is the United States of America coming to this same thing? It seems so because there is no law, no law of God that's in operation in our land. God said there's no truth in them. God said they're all liars in the last days just before he comes. The Bible plainly tells us over in the chapter 1 of John, 1 John, and John is telling the Christians that I'm going to tell you what I know, and that's what we do on rescue. But over in Isaiah, God pointed out that what he said it would be, that's exactly what it would be. So in Isaiah 46, before we start, let's listen to what God said is going to happen. 
course. He said, everything I have told the prophets to pin down the writers of the Bible is going to happen just as I say it's going to happen and will happen in the times I say it's going to happen. The words of God in chapter 46 of Isaiah. God said, verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. And here's what he tells about the prophets. He said, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things which are not yet done, fulfilling the prophecies and all the things God said and told the writers to pin down, things that are not done yet saying, my counsel shall stand. You can make all the man-made lies, you can pour out all the lies and deceit and treachery and horror that you can. The human race can do that. But it will not change the counsel of God. God said, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He will do what he wishes and he will punish sin with and those sinners People who do not accept the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they will go to the lake of fire, hell and the lake of fire. He said, I will punish sin, for the wages of sin is death and a lake of fire. Verse 11 said, Calling the ravenous birds from the east and the man that execute my counsel from the far country, talking about the Antichrist and tribulation time, and when it's right now, right at our door, he said, I have spoken it. God said, I have spoken it. I also would bring it to pass. And I have proposed it. And I will do it. So over in 1 John, God is telling the Christians to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and prove it by the word of God. We have a world today who ignores what's happening to our world that the terrible destruction, just as Jesus said in Matthew 24, is coming to pass, making way for the Antichrist, a man who proclaimed himself to be God. But as we look at our television and hear on our radios, we have many people today who are proclaiming that they are God or that they have some special thing from God. But God is no respecter of persons. Every born-again Christian stands in the presence of God when he calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and talks to the throne of God. He has just as much power if he does not have sin in his life. Of course, if he has sin in his life, the Bible says that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So you know that if you want to, uh, want to talk to God your Father as a Christian, you must have a sinless life. But... Again, we want to point out that the first John is speaking to a Christian. But lost man, I want to point out to you, as you're listening to this sermon, if you never heard another sermon, if you never hear another sermon in your lifetime, or never have heard one, this is the one for you. This will be a sermon that will show you that you are condemned to hell and the lake of fire if you do not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Nobody has ever preached a sermon that is sent by God 
that the Holy Spirit does not use. So the Holy Spirit takes the word into your heart. Of course, you have the choice. You can reject it or you can accept it. But God only owes you one time, one sermon. The sermon that God brings to your heart one time only. God is not a begging God. He said, I plead with you, but I'm telling you that you need to go to heaven. This hell is real. God said, I will do it. I will enlighten every person on this earth at least one time that they can come to Jesus. But God doesn't owe you thousands and thousands of sermons. I've seen people who say, oh, beg me. Beg me to be a Christian. Not so. The Holy Spirit gives you the actual words of God. And as John writes this down in 1 John, he said, I'm telling you what I know. This is what I'm trying to tell you today. I know what the Bible says because it corresponds exactly as the words of God tells us as of today. So as John said, that which was from the beginning, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God he's talking about. This is the God of the universe. God's only begotten son came to Calvary's cross and John saw him. He touched him and he said, this is God. I, he said, I listened. I saw him fulfill the Bible. But he said, that which from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which our eyes, with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. He saw God fulfill exactly as the Holy Scripture was pinned down, exactly every word. God made it happen just exactly. His Son, Jesus Christ, God Himself, God came in the form of man to let you have the pleasure of going to heaven. But one time, one time is all you have to hear the Word of God. Just once. And then, God doesn't owe you. He don't owe you any more times. So that's how important just one sermon is. Just one. And that's all it takes. And that's all you're entitled to. Verse 2 of chapter 1 of 1 John. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. God was here in flesh. In the time this writer was writing down, he said, I saw Jesus. I saw God. The life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested it unto us, being shown unto us. That which we have seen, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. Have you heard? You're hearing today the words of God that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Remember, God said, I will do it. So God has allowed you to have the words of God from a Christian. And that Christian brings the word of God. If you see it or if you've heard it, you are responsible. If you read it in the Bible, one time is all you have to read it. And that is the words of God that convicts the lost person that he's a hell-bound sinner. You reject it, that's up to you. 
You can go to hell if you want to. God won't stop you. He don't want you to. He says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He said, we have seen it. We have seen him and heard and declare we unto you that ye may have fellowship with us, Christians. Lost men, I want you to go to heaven. I'm on rescue for one purpose. And that's, I want you to go to heaven. And that is the only reason. Because God gave every Christian the actual orders to tell other people in the world about the Lord Jesus Christ that they might be saved. But he said that you may have fellowship with the Father and with the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. You'll never know the joy of salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ until you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior. People can tell you. They can, you can see it in their lives. But you will never know the joy of being totally, totally out of the reach of Satan ever again. The moment you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, that very moment you're saved from the penalty of sin. Instantly, when you call upon the name of the Lord and receive Him as your Lord and Savior, you are instantly, the penalty of sin no longer has power over you. Satan has no power over you anymore. God is your guide. And God does the things that's best for you. Satan no longer has power over you. And one day when we see the Lord Jesus Christ at the calling out of all the saints, and we will be in heaven, then Jesus said you're away from actually the presence of sin forever and ever. This is the joy I'm telling you about. You'll never know the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ until you receive him as your Lord and Savior. Verse 5 of chapter 1 of 1 John. And this then is the message which we have heard of him. This is the message today that the Holy Spirit has given me to tell you, lost man, that you need Jesus to be saved. There is no other way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. And God's promise said, I said it, and I will do it. God's word guarantees you eternal life. There's no doubt about the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished works on Calvary's cross. But you have to believe it. I can't believe it for you. You've got to believe it with all your heart and soul by faith that God gives you. If you reject it, then you will pay hell and the lake of fire, judgment forever. Now, God, God told John, said, now pin it down this way. But John was saying, this is the message which we declare of him and that we've seen him, we handle him, we touched him, we shook hands with him, that God is light and in him is no darkness. And verse 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with Jesus Christ, and walk in darkness, walk in sin, lies, deceit, treachery, trying to destroy others, destroy their reputation, destroy their lives. This is what God said. If you say you're a Christian, if you say you have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in darkness, you lie and you do not the truth. You lie and you do not know the truth. Verse 7. But if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ 
cleanses us from all sin. The moment you ask Jesus to come into your heart, God's precious blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, and it was God's blood, it was not human blood that flowed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not one drop of human blood ever flowed in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was God's blood. And God didn't let one drop of it stay on this earth. It is at the throne of God, a perfect sacrifice, that you and I could be saved. So the blood is the way. And the way you receive that blood is through the Lord Jesus Christ. As he said, he's the only way. He's the only truth. And he's the only life. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we've got a world of people who proclaim to be so righteous and so holy with a special anointing of God that they're better than anybody else. They have a power, they say, that is of God. But most of it we see is of Satan. And Satan has powers to deceive because he's a counterfeit. And people who are of Satan do have powers of Satan. But those people cannot have an effect on Christians because God protects the Christians from the satanic powers of these evil preachers that we're seeing on TV spreading deceit and lies and treachery and trying to make an amplification of themselves instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what God is saying that you will see in the last days as the false prophets come to steal your soul. They're not interested in anything except your money. They want your soul to go to hell with them, with Satan. Satan sends many false prophets in the last days. And the word of God says that if we say we have no sin, a person who says he's not a sinner is a liar and the truth is not in him. For all of sin comes short the glory of God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. As you walk in this flesh on this earth, there's not one person, Christian or a sinner, a lost person. Not one that doesn't have sin because the flesh is sinful. But God said, he had, Jesus said, I'm an advocate for you with the Father. Jesus is our lawyer with the Father God. And through his name, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of, of all, from all unrighteousness. Lost man, I've heard so many people say this. Well, I'd get saved, but I can't live it. You're right. You're 100% right. If you get saved, you sure can't live it. But let God live it through you and you will be fine. Because if Satan traps you in a snare of the devil and causes you to sin, God said right here, if, I, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We have an advocate with the Father, a lawyer. His name is Jesus Christ. And if I sin, I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. I ask you to forgive me for the fault and the sins that I've committed. That I, and I want you to forgive me from my heart because I want to repent and help me to abstain from those sins. Jesus said, Father, do his ask forgiveness. And I paid for all of his sins on Calvary's cross, every one that he ever committed and every one that he ever does commit. But God asked you to go on and sin not. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus, and through his name, 
Jesus paid the price for you as a sinner. And he paid the price for your sins before you got saved and after you got saved. Of course, it's not natural for a Christian to sin. It's unnatural. The pleasure of sin is no more in a Christian's life. When he sins, he knows the Holy Spirit says, that's sin. And there's a bitterness inside of you, a bad taste, a sour taste mouth in your body. You know it's wrong. You confess that sin and God said, I'll forgive you for it. And said, don't bring it up more. So I put it in the deepest part of the sea, never to be remembered again. And don't go out there with a fishing pole find to find it out. But the devil remembers your sins from the past. The devil and the world remembers your sins. God don't remember them. He said, I, I am he that blotteth out that transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Don't remind God of your sins because he said once you confess them and he gives you forgiveness and that's instantly, then it's over. But the world will remind you. The devil will remind you of your sins and he'll constantly try to make you remember the things that are not of God. But that doesn't make you any less a Christian. When you're born again, you are born by the Holy Spirit of God. That Holy Spirit borns a new person inside of you, never to be changed. It's always going to be of God forever and ever throughout eternity. There's no way you can ever get away from being a child of God and once you're born again. Now, when you're a child of God, you are born by God for God unto good works. Nothing you can work to be a Christian. You have to believe by faith. After you are born again instantly, as soon as you say, Jesus, come into my heart and you believe with all your heart and soul, don't try no false stuff with God. He ain't no fool. He knows your heart. If you truly believe, then God turns you into a new creature. And you have the evidence. But if you're not born again, you don't have any evidence. Your works are as filthy rags. But if you're born again, you're born into a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So John is trying to tell you right here. He said, I want you to know that I saw Jesus. I touched him. I know he is God. His works on Calvary's cross finished the book for every born-again Christian. And then he went right to the throne of God, took his blood as a perfect sacrifice, and proved to God the Father that he was and did finish everything that God told him. He was there for an advocate for you right now. He is there. And that's what John is trying to tell you, that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, wants you to go to heaven. And then he plainly said, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three, but they are one God. They're complete. And God does the works that you have no control of. So when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will never, ever be a child of the devil again. You can do wrong things against God and it's dangerous. God liable to kill you for disobeying. But God is long-suffering and he will forgive you. He knows your future. He knows that you're a child of God and he protects you and he loves you and he wants you to be a Christian. Have you heard the word of God?
Today you've heard the word of God. You refuse it, God don't owe you no more. He owes you one time. As he said, it's not his will, 2 Peter 3, 9, not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God don't want you to go to hell, but you're going unless you receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I'm the only way. He's the only truth and he's the only life. And he said, no man can come to the Father but by him. And he said, no man can come to the Father except he draw him. How are you drawn? Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Just exactly as John the Apostle penned down here in 1 John, he said, I'm telling you the truth. Are you listening to gossip or are you listening to truth? Today you've heard the truth. It's up to you. You can believe the lies and deceit and so forth, but you will go to hell by believing it. If you will believe the truth of God, you've heard the word of God, and now's the time. Now's the accepted time. And with this simple prayer as we close, this simple prayer, if you believe what you say, and God knows your heart, dear God, I'm a sinner. I believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm willing to repent, turn from my way of life, and turn unto you. Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you will save me today. You know what Jesus said in John 6, 37? Him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. Do it today. Save your life.
trying to buy peace of mind And you cry, oh God, I can't go on another day Oh, listen to me, please, won't you listen to me right now You can't buy peace of mind But I can point you to one who paid the price for your peace of mind His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God If you'll just turn to him right now Listen, he'll give you that peace that you've never had before
This is Pastor Billy R. Douglas. I want to invite you to stay with us for the next few moments as we go into the sanctuary, the voice of the Lord Tabernacle, and we share with you a sermon on the topic of hell. At the end of the sermon, I want to ask you the most important question that you'll ever answer in this life. And we will also give you our contact information because we would love to hear from you. It is our prayer that this sermon will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. I want to talk to you this morning about a subject that has long been forgotten by the modern day church. I was reading last night and there was a man on there that was talking about a church. It was a Presbyterian church and I say that only because that's all I remember about the church. This could be a Pentecostal church or a holiness church or a Baptist church. I'm not throwing that name out there to down that denomination. But Brother Bill, this church had been in existence for 30 or 40 years and this pastor went back through the logs because they kept a log of every Sunday morning sermon, every sermon that had been preached in that church over the last 30 or 40 years. So this new pastor goes back to see the subjects that had been dealt with. And in those 30 or 40 years, he noticed one staggering fault, Brother Bill. Not one time had one pastor that they had ever had preached on hell. Forty years in the same church and never heard about hell. Joel Osteen said on Larry King Live, his church of 30,000 people, he said, I don't preach on hell. I leave that to someone else. Oh God. A subject that Jesus spoke on, he thought it was important. And I want us this morning, if the Lord will allow me, to go to Luke, the 16th chapter, in the 19th verse, talking for a few minutes this morning on the subject, a cry from hell. This story that we are about to read is an actuality. It is not a parable. Jesus gives names. He gives the name of the beggar. He says, a certain rich man... This was not just a made-up story, Brother Sleece, to try and teach them a lesson. This was something that happened. Jesus said in Luke 16 and 9, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And before you say, Oh, Brother Billy, we've heard that and we've heard that and we've heard that, you need to hear it again this morning. Amen. The church needs to hear it again this morning. The church needs to come back to the reality that there is a hell and there are millions of souls going there today. Millions of souls. And this story today is just as real as it was whenever Jesus stood on the sandy shores of Galilee or wherever it was He was giving this sermon. There was a certain rich man which was clothed with purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He had a good life. He had everything that he wanted. No doubt there were men that envied him. That wished, Brother Mike, they could have what this man had. They watched him as he walked by in his fine linen and his robes. They thought, I would love to be that man. I wish I was that man. Honey, I guarantee you, none of them today envy that man. None of them today, but they did then, Brother Bill. 
He fared sumptuously every day. He had everything that life had to offer. But there was another man, a man that would not fit into the prosperity gospel doctrine for today because he was a beggar, Brother Bill, covered with sores that laid at this rich man's gate. The Bible says there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Now there is no one that walked past that house, walked past that gate that thought, well, I really want to be that beggar. I would love to lay there all day covered in bowls and have the dogs lick my sores and be starving to death and nothing but flesh and bones. I'd really love to be that. No one envied this man. But I guarantee you they envy him today. You see, we cannot look upon this life and, and, and lust after the pleasures and the, and the wealth thereof. We must look farther than this life because this is not it, folks. It is still ahead. This is not it. Amen? Hallelujah, Brother Bill. If you went out here today, no doubt you could go out here and find a sinner, someone that does not know the Lord, who you know, same age as me. And you'd be surprised how much we have in common that we've went through in our life. There have been bad times, there have been good times, there have been trials, there have been mountaintops, there have been valleys. There have been times where you didn't know where you was going to get the next nickel or didn't, didn't know where you was going to get the next money to pay your bill. And there have been times whenever you had the bills paid and you was feeling pretty good. And Brother Bill, people might look at Lazarus this morning and look at that rich man and they might say it's vain to serve this God. It's vain to have faith in this God. David said in the book of Psalms, looking at the wicked and seeing them prosper would have caused my foot to slip. But David said, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Their end. Their end. This life is a vapor. It appeareth for a little time, then it vanisheth away. But what then? What then? What happens to your soul? What happens to the soul of your neighbor when they take their last breath is the most important thing that you could think upon this morning. The Bible goes on to say that this beggar named Lazarus, he was full of sores desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. None envied this life. None would have traded places with him. Yet we will find in a few verses that this rich man that fared sumptuously, this rich man that had everything, would gladly have traded places with the beggar at the door. Hallelujah. Listen to this, church. What a chilling story this is. I wish I could give this to you this morning the way that the Lord gave it to me as I sat at my desk last night and I sobbed and cried as I read and God began to give me a glimpse of what Jesus is saying here in this story. My, 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 it's time that the church got stirred up enough about the souls that are dying and going to hell. Stirred up enough to witness. Stirred up enough to pray. Stirred up enough to fast. Stirred up enough to give even whenever it's a sacrifice to give. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. 
And it came to pass that the beggar died. You see, it's appointed that a man wants to die. Whether you're a beggar or whether you're a king, whether you're a rich man or whether you are a pauper this morning, sooner or later you are going to be dead. Brother Bruce, it says that this beggar died. And it says he was carried by the angels <laughs> into Abraham's bosom. Then it says the rich man also died and was buried. He was buried. Oh God, there were no angels to escort him into the bosom of Abraham. There were no angels. I was reading a testimony of someone that he was a doctor, a cardiologist, and he was trying to save a person that was laying there dying. And Brother Mike probably knows his name. We've talked about the guy before. Yeah, Maurice Rollins. And he said that this person was screaming and crying, Brother Bill, that they were slipping into a devil's hell. And he said there is no way that you could have seen the look of horror on their face and not realize that hell is real. Hell is real. It's more than a slang word this morning, amen. It's more than a joke this morning, amen. Hell is real. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Both of them are eternal. And the decision you make in this life depends upon where you will spend eternity. Your eternity depends upon the choice that you make in this life. The beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was buried. He died and was buried. Somebody tell me what happens next. And in hell, in hell he lifted up his eyes. Don't tell me that that rich man wouldn't give a thousand times over to change places with this old beggar that he spit on, this old beggar that he'd walked past, this old beggar that he had made fun of, this old beggar that he couldn't have anything to do with for the bill. You see, the Jews... They thought that financial gain was favor with God. And that if you were poor, if you were a, a beggar, it was a curse from God. Does that sound familiar to you this morning of anything that you'll hear across the television whenever you turn it on? See, Jesus even here was coming against the prosperity gospel. This rich man that had everything that life had to offer now finds himself in hell. And the Bible says that he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Notice this morning, church, it didn't just say that he was in torment. It says that he was in torments. Not just tormented, but multitudes and multitudes of torments. Separation from God. Can you imagine what a torment that is? The absence of God, no God. There is no hope where there is no God. There is no peace where there is no God. There is no love where there is no God. There is no forgiveness where there is no God. Amen. He no longer had the loving embrace of his family or his friends, Brother Bill. He was separated. He was cut off. And listen to me, sinner. When you get to hell, you will not throw a big party like you're planning on. 
Amen. I've heard people say, well, put in my friends and be there. We'll have a party when I get there. There will be no party going on in hell. There will be no joy in hell. There will be no mercy in hell. There will be no more chance for you to come to the altar. There will be no more. You can call out for mercy and you will. You will cry out for God's mercy and His forgiveness and His love, but it will not come. Oh God, it will not come. Listen to this. Hallelujah. And he cried. Oh, let me back up a little bit. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried. Can you imagine being in hell and being able to see what you missed? Can you imagine being able to look over into God's holy hill and to watch Him wipe all tears from their eyes and to see that beggar that no longer was full of sores but had a new body and was different than he was before. He no longer was skin and bones, Brother Bill. He had peace, joy, love, and he had a new body. Health like he had never known before. And when this rich man looks over, he sees this. He sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He didn't need anyone to introduce him or to tell him who Abraham was or where Lazarus was at. So that lets me know that the man had some kind of knowledge in the life before that there was a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Not one time in this story, Sister Jessica, will you find this rich man asking why he is there. He knows why he is there. He knows what he missed. He knows where he's at. And he begins to cry for mercy. He begins to cry for mercy. Oh, but church, there is no mercy in hell. There is no mercy in hell. They will cry, please God, give me one more altar call. Please God, let that preacher talk to me one more time. Please, God, give me one more Sunday. I kept saying I'm going to go next Sunday. I kept saying I'm going to make it right later. Please, God, give me just a little bit more time. But there is no hope there, Brother Bill. There is no mercy there. He cries for mercy and there is none. Let me hear from that preacher one more time. That guy that I called crazy. Let me hear from him. Give me one more chance. There will be no altar call in hell. There will be no forgiveness found in hell. Somebody lift up your hands this morning. Somebody lift up your hands this morning and say, God, give me a burden for lost souls. Wake me up today, God. Stir my soul. Stir my soul. Oh, God. I beg you today, church, while you've got a chance and while they've got a chance, take the time to send somebody a card. Take the time to let your light show. Take the time to witness to somebody. Take the time to love somebody. Take the time to show somebody the way of salvation while they still have a chance this morning. Because all the prayers you pray for them once they're in hell will not do them any good. All the prayers that they pray once they are in hell will not do them any good. 
take the time, church, to find you a place and get on your knees and call out to God to save the lost souls before it's eternally too late. Oh God, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. You see, there are no unbelievers in hell. There are no atheists in hell. Because now they believe. But it's too late. It's too late, Brother Rodney. There is no salvation in hell. There is no place for repentance in hell. Listen to this. Oh, my Lord, he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. There is a lack of water in hell. There is a thirst beyond imagination in hell. You see... In life, this man quenched his thirst with everything that the world had to offer. And now he feels that thirst because it left him dry and empty and void. And when he got to hell, he realized just what it was that he was missing. Let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. This is the beggar that he had no time for. This is the beggar that was covered with sores. This was the beggar that was filthy and was and no one even wanted to touch him. Now he says, let him take his finger and dip it in water and let him cool my tongue with it. He ain't so picky when he's in hell. Amen. He's not so judgmental once he reaches hell. Let him dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. I am tormented in this flame. If we could realize, if we could get a glimpse of hell this morning, Sister Nancy, we wouldn't mind so much to pray. It wouldn't bother us so much for the meal to fast for souls. It wouldn't bother us so much to stand before people and ask for their help even when they're going to criticize you and call you a money preacher. Honey, they can talk about me if they want to, but I, I must. I cannot stop. I have to and I will ask for your help to reach lost souls that are on their way to dying and going to a devil's hell. I cannot stop. If you don't want to hear it, you need to walk away. I cannot stop. Because this same rich man that we read about this morning, 2,000 years later, is still in the same devil's hell that he was when Jesus told this story. And there are people dying and going there every day. But Abraham's response to him was this. 16 and 25. Son, remember... Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest the good things and likewise Lazarus evil things and now he is comforted and thou art tormented. He said, remember. You see, one of the torments of hell is going to be perfect memory. Hallelujah. The lost are going to remember for God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only begotten son. You're going to remember the altar calls that you sat through and didn't go to the altar. You're going to remember the times that Jesus knocked on your heart's door, but you refused to open. You're going to remember the times that the preacher tried to talk to you about Jesus, but you just snubbed him and walked away. You're going to remember. You may not be able to remember the words of amazing grace now, but you will when you get to hell. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You will long for that experience, but it is too late. These words will haunt you. These images will haunt you. Abraham said, remember, son. Remember your life. Remember the opportunities that you had. But now it's too late. It's too late. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You ain't never going to get out. There's no escape. There's no escape, Brother Bill, from hell. There's no way of getting out of there. People that would want to come to you can't, and you who want to get out of there cannot. There is no escape. Then listen to what he said. He turns his focus off of himself. When he finds out, Brother Bill, that there's no more mercy to be found for him. No forgiveness. No altar to repent at. He remembers his family. He no longer turns it, the attention to within himself. But he says, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Oh God. Send them a preacher. There will be, there's no more. Oh, just keep that preacher away from my family. He was crying and begging, please send somebody to my family so they don't come to this, so they don't come to this godless, terrible, awful, undescribable place. Send them a preacher. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I don't want them to come here. Please send someone to warn them. Abraham's answer to him was, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. The rich man in agony my family's going to end up here and I can't do anything about it. It's like being deaf and dumb or, and not having no physical ability whatsoever and seeing your loved ones headed toward an eternal flame and you can't stop them, you can't warn them, you can't tell them, don't come to this place where I'm at. I was wrong. Don't follow me. Don't do what I did. There's no way I can help my family. What a torment that is. Because you'll remember your kids. You'll remember mama. You'll remember daddy. 
You'll remember your friends, Brother Bill, and you'll be wishing with everything that's within your being, please don't let them come here. But there's nothing you can do to stop it. Oh, maybe if in my lifetime, if I'd have gotten right with God, if I'd have made things right, I could have warned them then. But now here I am in this place of torment and I can do nothing to keep them from coming to this place. Nothing. I believe with all my heart there is millions of voices that ascend up from the pit of the damned today that plead, please warn my family. I believe today from the pits of the damned, from an eternal hell, there are souls that cry out for Joel Osteen to please tell my family of this awful place. Please warn my family not to come to this place. They cry out for the church. They cry out for you, Brother Bill. They cry out for you, Brother Rodney. You, Brother Sleeve. They cry out for us. Tell somebody not to come to this awful place. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. But it is real today. If you do not believe in hell and its eternal damnation and torment, then you do not believe the words of Jesus because He taught on this and preached on this more than any of the rest of them. You cannot preach the message of Jesus and leave this out. Listen to this. Listen to what Abraham told him. Let them hear Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the rich man's response was, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, then they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, if they will not believe the word of God and my servants, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. And you might sit there this morning and think, well, they might have been. And if you remember just a few verses or just a few chapters after this, somewhere along the lines there, the book of John, Jesus would raise a man from the dead by the name of Lazarus. Not this same Lazarus, but He would raise him from the dead by the bill. Did it cause the Pharisees to believe? You know what the Pharisees wanted to do? They sought to put Lazarus to death. The one come from the dead, if they don't believe my word, if they don't believe the testimony of my son, they're not going to believe the one comes to them from the dead. There is a cry this morning that comes out of the pits of hell for us to reach the lost. There is a cry this morning that comes from the throne of God. Do you remember God's Word tells us in Mark 16 and 15 to go into all the world and to take the gospel to every creature. Luke 14 and 23, the Lord sent His servants out into the highways and the hedges to compel them to come in. There is a cry this morning from the pits of hell. There is a cry this morning from the throne of God. The fields are white into harvest, but the labors are few. Tell them about hell. Tell them about hell. Tell them about hell. And there is a cry this morning, even though you can't see it unless you look. Oh, you may not, they may not ask you in words, 
They may, I, I talked to a man yesterday over to Home Depot and he began to tell me, Brother Bill, of his business and how it was prospering and he began to tell me how things were going right and I stood there and I listened to what he had to say. I let him have the floor until God opened the door and when he did, I said, oh now, this is what I want to talk to you about. The most important thing in this life is your relationship with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And I said that to say this. The world cries out for help today. Oh, they put on a facade. They make it look like everything's okay. But if you really look, you can see the pain in their face and the emptiness in their eyes and the fact that they do not have the missing piece. They do not have Jesus. You will realize today that their soul cries out for your help. For your help. You say, Brother Billy, is it worth it today? All the hours. Is it worth the work? Is it worth the prayers? Is it worth the sermons? Is it worth the radio ministry? Is it worth the newsletter? Is it worth the CDs? And I tell you this morning, ask that rich man. Ask that rich man. If he had have been reached, ask him, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Hallelujah. Is it worth it today? You better believe it's worth it. You better believe it's worth it. The church needs to be reminded that there is a hell. The church needs to be reminded that there is a hell today. You may think today, well, all that trouble ain't worth it Well, for just a few. Well, that depends on whether you're one of the few. Amen? That depends on whether you're one of the few. It ain't worth doing all that for one soul. Well, that depends whether you're that one soul. You can't put a price on that. Jesus described hell as this, and I'm trying to close. Fire, everlasting fire, eternal damnation, hell fire, damnation of hell, a furnace of fire, a fire that shall never be quenched, the fire that is not quenched, where the worm dieth not, wailing and gnashing of teeth, and on and on and on. He describes outer darkness, he preached on hell and he used strong words like this. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He used such strong words as it is better for thee to enter life maimed than having two hands and to go into hell. Amen. He tells us the story of the rich man. He tells us that the smoke of their torments ascended up forever and forever and they have no rest day or night. He would say it this 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 he would use words this plain depart from me into everlasting fire prepared for the devil. And his angels. The Bible says in Matthew 25 and 46 that it is a place of punishment. Second Thessalonians 1 and 9 it says it's a place of banishment. Mark 9, 42 through 48 describes it as a place of fire and worms. 
Jude 1 and 13 describes it as a place of darkness. Revelation 20 and 10 says it's a place of torment. Luke 16 and 23 that we just read, it's a place of consciousness and feelings. It is a place of thirst, a place where without hope, a place of no escape, a place of unfulfilled desires and unanswered prayers. 234 times God speaks of His judgment and eternal punishment in the Word of God. But you can't get modern day preachers to mention it in their sanctuary because they're afraid they will offend somebody. Hell is real. Hell is real. And it is eternal. It is eternal this morning. I want, in closing this morning, I want to try and read you something. As I was studying and preparing for this message this morning and trying to find the mind of God, I ran across a preacher who had written several letters that he called Letters from Hell. And I'll tell you this morning that I borrowed a little bit of this from him until the Holy Spirit took over. And as I began to weep and I began to cry and the Spirit of God began to give me a vision of this place, I want to read to you this morning the rich man's letter to his five brethren. If it was possible to write a letter from hell, it might go something like this. To my five dear brethren, I hope this letter finds you in health and happiness. I'm writing to you from a terrible place. I don't want you to come to this awful place of torment. I want to tell you that we believed a lie. We thought having money and the right friends would take us to heaven. By the way, do you remember Lazarus the beggar? What a mess he was as he sat at my gate, skin and bones, full of sores and starving to death. I never had time for someone like that. I always said let the government, let his family take care of him. Yes, we were religious, my brothers. But I want to tell you that you have to accept Jesus to make heaven your home. What I want to tell you is you must truly be born again. Then your heart is changed and not full of the empty religion that we trusted. Please call on the name of the Lord while there is time. Please don't come to this awful place. This place of torment. I can see Lazarus just beyond the gulf in paradise. He doesn't look sick like he did before. I see no more sores on him. Oh, if I could only just be where he's at instead of this place of woe and endless hopelessness. I can never leave here. It will never change for me. No matter... Where I turn, I see faces with eyes full of emptiness and torment. I have seen so many of my friends here, yet in their face I see no more friendliness but emptiness and pain and agony. No more a kind word of friendship do I hear from them, but only screams of the damned. What is 70 years compared to forever? I would trade all of my worldly wealth that I had in my lifetime 
and lay at the gate with the dogs if I just had one more chance to make it right. Oh God, somebody slip up your hands and worship the Lord this morning. I would trade everything that I had for a life of poverty and sickness if I only had one more chance to make it right. Please, brethren, warn our family to wake up and pray. Don't be lost. Don't come to this awful place. Don't come to where I am. There is no escape. I am forever doomed, cast into outer darkness. I can hear the horrors of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brother Bill, he would say, I am on fire, yet I won't burn up. I can feel the worms that crawl all over me, yet they will not die in these flames. I cry out and plead with God to let me die, but there is no answer. No hint of His presence, no gentle breeze of His mercy. Only the dry hot wind that burns forever and forever. There is no place of comfort here. The flames, the smoke, the smell of burning flesh. Each tomorrow is like today. Endless torment and pain and darkness. Please, my brethren, don't come to this horrible place. That rich man, you may ask, Whatever happened to him? That's been 2,000 years. Where's he at? He's still in that same place today. And if he could write today, he wouldn't write to his brethren because their eternal abode's done been settled. But he would write to you the same words. Don't come to this awful place. Don't come to this place of torment. His plea is the same. Please go tell somebody. Warn somebody. Not to come to this horrible place. Not to come to this horrible place. Oh God. Somebody lift up your hands this morning. And ask God for a burden for souls. Ask God to open up the hearts and the minds and the eyes of His people. To stir us up, to get us concerned enough to tell somebody about hell. To tell somebody about hell. Church, we must not let the sun set on the souls that will be lost in darkness that we had a chance to reach. Listen to me, we may not be able to reach them all, but we can reach some of them. We may not be able to make a difference, Brothers Lee's, in everybody's life. But we can make a difference in some people's life. Something that you say, something that you do, something that you share may keep somebody from going to this awful place. Hallelujah. May keep somebody. So you see why this morning that I cannot stop asking for your help. Those that will laugh and mock and turn away, they will answer to God for that. The self-centered church as we know it today that does not want to talk about hell or think about hell or mention hell, they will give an account for that. But we too will give an account if we know about hell and we do not warn people. 
We do not share the gospel of Jesus with them. You see, we're always talking about there's only one way to heaven, and that is to accept Jesus. There's only one way to hell, and that is to reject Jesus. That is to reject Jesus. Amen. You say, Brother Billy, but a lot of false religion, a lot of things can take you to hell. A lot of sin, yeah, but it all comes down to one thing. You rejected what Jesus did for you on the cross. People are dying and going to hell. We need to get concerned enough about them that we're willing to sacrifice, we're willing to pray, we're willing to do whatever we can do to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you might think that what you do is not much. The devil might tell you there's no way that what you do makes a difference. I'm reminded of a story. There was a man that had, his mother had taken him to church when he was a child, Brother Beal, but in his older life he had gotten away from God, even come to the point of being an atheist. He died and he felt himself begin to slip into hell. He could hear the wails. He could feel the heat getting closer and closer. And he said he didn't know how to call out on God. He didn't even really believe there was a God when he was in this life. But he said he remembered a song that he'd heard his Sunday school teacher sing. No doubt that Sunday school teacher might have walked away that morning thinking, well, the kids was rowdy. I didn't get much done. I don't think I accomplished anything this morning. But this little song that this man remembered that this Sunday school teacher taught them this morning. He said, I didn't know how to pray, but I remembered, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And he said, at that moment, I began to call out on this Jesus that was in this song. And he said, when I begin to call out on Jesus, when I begin to call out on His name, I felt myself no longer descending toward the flames and the horrors that were beneath me. But I felt myself come back into my body and God gave me one more chance at mercy and I accepted Him as Lord and Savior. So you may think today that what you do ain't much. But if you ask that man that was this close to hell, that little Sunday school song, little was much when God was in it. Amen? That little thing, Brother Sleece, that could have been overlooked and said that ain't nothing. That was the biggest thing in that man's life. He didn't remember how much money he'd made on Wall Street. He didn't remember how how successful his business or marriage was. He remembered a song from Sunday school. And that song... Caused him to get saved. That song caused him to get saved. My, my, my church. Hell is real. And they're crying out for us. Tell somebody not to come to this awful place. Do what you can do. Amen. Do what you can do to help get the lost to the cross. Hallelujah. This is Pastor Billy R. Douglas. I want to ask you the most important question that you will ever answer in this life. Do you know Jesus Christ 
as your personal Lord and Savior? Is your faith in Him today and His finished work? Jesus said in John the 14th chapter and the 6th verse, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's only begotten Son died on the cross so that you could be saved. Call on the name of Jesus today. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart and your life. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ today. Call upon His name. Don't put it off. Do it today, for none of us are promised tomorrow. If this sermon has been a blessing to you, or if you have made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please contact us today at VOTL Ministries, P.O. Box 541, Livermore, Kentucky, 42352. That's P.O. Box 541, Livermore, Kentucky, 42352. You can also visit us on the internet, voiceofthelordministries.com. That's voiceofthelordministries.com. Or you can call or text 270-313-8753. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. Born in a manger, he was destined from the start To be that special sacrifice for the cleansing of man's heart Though he knew the pain that he would feel, the suffering he would face Still he kept on pressing to that day when sin would meet People stood and watched him as he was crucified Not fully understanding just why he gave his life Father, forgive them were the words Jesus cried And when he knew the victory would be his, he hung his head and died
Heaven. Such glorious beauty everywhere. Heaven. There's no other place that can compare. Heaven. God's glory fills the air. Heaven. There'll be no more pain and sorrow there. Heaven. No more sickness and death, nor despair. Heaven. The Lamb of God sits on His throne chair. Heaven is the eternal home for the saints the Lord has prepared. If you're on the road to nowhere, separation from the Holy God is a living nightmare. Your life may seem hopeless, but Jesus cares. Jesus understands, and He is aware. That's why the cross He did bear. He wants you to become His kingdom heir. Can you trust and believe in the Lord today? If yes, then pray the sinner's prayer. Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner and have sinned against you. And my sins have separated me from you. Please forgive me for my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with all my heart that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died on the cross of Calvary that I can be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord. I repent of my sins and I will live and worship you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And right now, I am born again. I am saved and I am cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.